What's going on, people? Welcome to Paint Points. As usual, I'm your host, Jake Painting. This podcast is proudly brought to you by the SB Nation Podcast Network and the Canis Hoopers family. The season's almost over. This might be the last podcast of the regular season. It is our 50th podcast as well. And joining me today to, to discuss a few, you know, play a little, not a little game, I guess, but kind of discuss a few things that aren't just centered around the games that have been flowing in is Brendan Hedke, uh, Wolf Among Wolves con- contributor, host of the Believe in Timberwolves podcast, uh, friend of the show. Brendan, what's going on, man? Not much, man. How are you doing? Yeah, really well. Um, we were just discussing. I'm kind of sad, even though this season's been hell at times, that it's it's coming to an end and that inevitably we won't get to watch the Timberwolves, obviously, in the playoffs or at least for, for a couple of months. Um, how are you feeling, I guess, before we jump into it, how are you feeling about the, the season as a whole? It's kind of been split up into multiple different sections, I think. But, but how are your feelings heading into these last three games, two games? Yeah, I, I guess it does definitely feel like there's been multiple seasons within this one season just by the types of lineups we saw, the coaching that we saw. It was it's just been very weird to try and get a read on and I'm really glad um these past twenty games we've really just been able to see what see what we got. Um at least have like some sort of, you know, barrier or not barrier, like a, a skeleton of what this team could be. Um and there are they, you know, a couple games better than five hundred? fully healthy maybe not maybe that's a product of who they've, who they've played and whatever but they've got some good wins so I don't know I feel pretty good heading into this offseason about where the team's at and I feel solid even if the pick doesn't you know end up coming here I feel right. like we're not dead in the water and I think we'll be you know at least better than five or so teams going into next season even if there's no Cade Cunningham coming here so that's I feel pretty good I would say I think that's a, I agree, and I think that's a huge change in mentality, because if you had have asked me three, two, three months ago, whether I would have been happy to to watch this team virtually run it back, you know, without the, the chance of having a draft pick, I know they still do have a chance, but, you know, without that draft pick, without salary cap, I would have probably told you that I would be mortified at the at the thought of doing it but now i agree i i do feel hope that even without a draft pick this team can, can be competitive and can at least kind of keep us more engaged than i guess the, the first half of this season did so yeah I, I just i think it's been an up and down season but it's i think it's always better to end on on a good note rather than kind of, you know, end on a crappy note, if that makes sense, right? Yeah, well, that I think that can be applied to so many things with, like, even if you think about Anthony Edwards, if he had what he's doing right now, the first half of the season, then you get to All-Star break, and then he played like he did at the beginning of the season, you would never even think about that player being Rookie of the Year just because he's played so poorly. So it kind of can go for, like, a whole team, you know? And obviously right. there was other factors, injuries and everything played into the team playing so poorly at the beginning. But finishing strong, to me, always is better than, than starting strong, I would say. So I feel pretty good about that. Yeah, and I think I'll kind of jump into the segment of the show. We're, we're going to do the haves and have-nots, which is pretty much just... We want to we want to hit on a few things each that, that the Timberwolves have and that they they've kind of solidified them within the team this season and then obviously after that we'll touch on the things that they don't have 
and that kind of need to be to be rectified in the future or in the off season or whenever the time comes. I'll I'll go first just because we were just speaking about it. I think that the the obvious one is Anthony Edwards that they do have, and this version of Anthony Edwards I ha- we haven't spoke about Ant, and I, I guess I'm really curious. You know, he's he's the star of Timberwolves social media right now, so it's not like you, we don't kind of know each other's thoughts just from from tweets. But what what do you think of Anthony Edwards heading into the future? Like, do you, how much faith do you have in him to not only continue what he's doing at the moment, but then I guess build on that and bake into in some you know natural progression into his game heading into next season. Yeah, it's a it's definitely really interesting to kind of look at who Anthony Edwards is as a player and how far he's progressed just from just from the beginning of the season. Um, I love him and I love exactly I love what he could be and what he's already showing that he is uh, for this team. You're talking about a player who. I mean, right now is just so comfortable um, just driving to the lane. I mean, and, and the shots started to fall more. I'm a big believer in that wings in the NBA win you basketball games. They are what takes you deep into the playoffs. When you talk about you got LeBron, you got Kevin Durant, Jimmy Butler last year in Miami, um, all these different Kawhi. wing player, Kawhi, yes, Giannis. Giannis didn't take them super far in the playoffs, but he's been a winning player. Um and I think it's a lot harder to do that with, um, you know, just a dominant big man. We, you know, it really, Jokic really struggled um, the first few years trying to get deep into the playoffs because he didn't really have a dynamic wing slash guard player. And Jamal Murray came along. He's obviously a point guard, but he's, you know, more of a combo guard in my opinion, a scoring guard, I should say. And I think Anthony Edwards can be that for the Timberwolves. So then you're not really relying on, on D'Angelo Russell. And I, I firmly believe within 15 games into next season, everybody will will say that Anthony Edwards is the second best player on the Timberwolves. Um, some people might be saying right now, I don't think he's quite there yet. Um, both the way he's been playing, I think he I think he's going to be the second best player. And I think he has a chance to be the best player on the Timberwolves just by the nature of his skill set, how young he is, how much he's already progressed over the course of just a short, you know, five, six month season. Uh, get him a full off season. Get him a training camp. Let our you know coach work with him and kind of develop a system that works best for him and or for him, Cat and D'Lo. So I'm really excited for Ant, and that that feels like a home run pick to me. Um, and there's a whole debate, you know, with the Lamella thing, but I I feel really good about the future with him here. So that's my that's my two cents. Yeah, we we won't get into the Lamelo Edwards debate. I think that we're both just we're both happy that we have get to watch Anthony Edwards play for the Timberwolves every night, right? Like it's it's pretty much as simple as that when you boil it down. And for sure, and I and think... I want to say with I don't want to get into the debate at all, but <laughs> but Tyler Metcalf and uh, wrote for Kane Supas, and I think it was just the perfect explanation. It was like nailed it. He people, nailed it. Yeah, he nailed it. People don't. They're not giving Ant even his flowers. Nobody's talking about how he improved and he's worthy of this debate. And, and you know, they're still labeling him all these things. So I think Tyler just nailed that. Um, you know, he's not a chucker anymore. He's a effic- more efficient chucker. He's shooting, you know, true shooting like league average. That's like all you can want out of a volume score. So I just want to shout out Tyler because he did an amazing job talking about that in that piece. So 
I'll just do that. I'm not going to, I don't want to talk bad about LaMelo because he's a hell of a player too. Um, but I just want to throw that out. Don't, Jalen Ray taught us pace and, and that, that's the, the point there. Uh, I, I just think that I, like, I don't have, I guess I don't watch an, enough other teams every single game like we watch the Timberwolves to kind of have this, uh, you know, set in stone opinion. But I just think it's, I feel like it's very rare for a rookie to have the, the kind of in-season improvement than he did. Obviously, most, if not all rookies kind of, you know, grow as the season progresses. And, and, and I'd assume that, that many of them are better after the all-star break than they were before especially this year with the the training camp you know issues not pretty much not having one uh no summer league all that all the excuses that we've heard before not the excuses the reasons that we've heard before but i just think to go from and and tyler tyler laid out in that piece but i think it's it's honestly not a stretch to say that he was one of the worst I guess, volume shooters in the league at the time. And maybe even one of the worst players in terms of kind of how much he negatively impacted winning. He, that wasn't kind of through his fault completely. He he was playing on a terrible team. Cat went down. D'Lo was probably playing the worst basketball since his rookie year. And Anthony Edwards was kind of just tasked as being the guy that, that comes off the bench and and launches shots for a team that has no one who can create shots for themselves. But to go from that guy to a guy who's putting up, you know, 23, 5, and 5 pretty much every night, and with the ability to, to give you 40, to give you 35, to to grab 10 boards, to, to have 7, 8 assists, and then do it efficiently, and do it kind of in a way that doesn't seem like it's an outlier... When he used to have it, when he had a good game in that first half of the season, it felt like it was the outlier game. And next game, inevitably, he was going to go five from seventeen from from the floor. Now, like I, 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 I didn't get to watch the game live yesterday. I was at work. I didn't I either. Just... I only watched a part of it too. I was busy as well. But tell me if this, if you agree with this, when when you when you walk out of work or when you walk out of wherever you are and you're busy. And you, you know, you get onto the NBA app or wherever you look at the score. In your mind, you're like Anthony Edwards going to have 25 efficiently. Like that's that that was that's my thought, it yeah. and it was. It just feels like that's going to happen. And then you and you log on, and he has 29, seven, five. You know, and he's shooting 60 percent from the field. Like, how how did this happen? <laughs> yeah. How did he become this dude who who does this every night? Uh, from the guy who was. Like legitimately one of the worst volume shooters that the NBA has seen for for years. Like it's if that is the growth you can expect in season with twenty training days, probably or twenty practices. I can't even imagine you know what he's going to be able to do next season when when he gets a whole off season under his belt with the same coach and and with the same kind of system in place. Yeah, and you were talking about you know players that have this big improvement efficiency wise just overall wise in the rookie seasons it doesn't it doesn't happen a lot but the one player who had a very similar kind of thing happen to them was trey young in 2018-19 as a rookie if you don't remember trey young was not good um pre all-star and the media absolutely let him know about it the media crucified him yeah and he he averaged 17 points on 40 percent shooting and 31 percent from three on five and a half attempts Anthony Edwards before this, before the All Star break this year, fifteen points, thirty seven percent from the field, and thirty percent from three. So very similar numbers. And you go post All Star break, 
and they're very similar too. So it doesn't happen often, but but when it does, usually that player ends up being a really good player. And Anthony Edwards, um, you know, mirroring what Trey Young did. Trey obviously didn't win Rookie of the Year because Luka Doncic came in and just took the league by storm. But I think that's something. You talk about Lamelo Ball, who kind of has just played really well all season long. Anthony Edwards, he hit that w- rookie wall, and instead of letting it stop him, he just kind of burst through that, and and that's really impressive to me. So that's why I have I feel very confident in him. And then the other thing I didn't really touch on is his personality, and like I think I don't want to get all psychological and whatever, but I think he has the it factor, which you can that can never be described and. It's not tangible whatsoever, but but some players have it and some don't. And I think he has it, which makes me really excited. Yeah, well, he's an he's an entertainer. Like it's, I know it's not the most important thing because at the end of the day, sport is played on the court, you know, between the lines and scoring points or or doing the things that help a team win are ultimately the most important thing, right? Like, but. Second to that is is being entertained, like having the personality to be a star. You just don't see a lot of stars, maybe outside of Kawhi Leonard, who don't kind of have some sort of uh, outgoing, you know, extroverted personality that that matches their talent level. Yeah, and it's not it's like just, it's not the same for everyone. You know, it's not. Yeah, not everybody's just a funny dude like Anthony Edwards. People just, you know, LeBron's gonna be in movies and like. Michael Jordan was in movies and Kobe Bryant was just, you know, a totally different type of personality. But everybody has something except yeah. for Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. But other than that, like everybody has something. <laughs> Shaq. Shaq's a big personality and it matched what he did on the court. So Shaq, was, Shaq is a good kind of personality comparison, I think. I think Ant. so. Like that do, like doofy kind of funny and, and but also self-aware. I think when you when Ant really starts to to talk about the game, you can see that he's not just a guy who's just goofing off all the time. Like, he knows... He but he doesn't want to talk about the game. I think he enjoys sitting down for a Zoom call, or, you know, yeah. which is how we do it these days. But I, I think he enjoys sitting down for a Zoom call and taking his mind away from basketball. LeBron will sit there and tell you five straight plays, every intricacy of the play, you know, during a heated playoff game because he's just a basketball you know, Einstein. And and, but, and, and Anthony uh, Edwards just doesn't like basketball. So why would he talk yeah. about basketball? <laughs> yeah, I just think that like those comments pre-draft make so much more sense when you now that you, you know, know, I say I would have loved to marks. I would have loved to hear the audio version of that that article right, with right. him talking and I think that would have made it a whole lot different. Cuz before that you didn't really understand how he was, you know, as a person. Yeah, yeah. If you transcribed the things that he said, you know, and put them on paper, a lot of the things I think that he's said throughout this season would probably be able to take be taken out of context because he's just it's just the it's the the cadence that he kind of say says things that that make it funny and that make it uh, relatable and not kind of strange, you know. But when you see it, you know, just on paper on an ESPN article, I guess it's it can sometimes come out a bit bit worse than than maybe he meant for it to say or that it sounded like in person and even in like the zoom interviews with dane and john they'll tweet out these quotes and and i see them and i said okay now i have to go and listen to him say that i have (laughs) to hear how he said that sometimes just because i think it's going to be super funny sometimes because 
it sounds a little off and I'm like, I wonder what, you know, intonation he had in his voice when he said that. But yeah, totally, totally get that. Um, So I'm really, the personality is one thing that I think is just amazing that like, we haven't really had that cat. Cat's like a cat seems like a great personality guy, but he doesn't let like the fans don't latch on to cat like they have with Anthony Edwards. That's the part that I think is really promising because, you know, cats his own type of personality and he's a funny guy and whatever but not to that level delo's kind of an enigma doesn't really like talking to the media he's been through a whole lot of stuff with the media back in la um but i think anthony Edwards just his personality is perfect yeah and, and the perfect blend between those two guys it's kind of like like cats cats out there but in his own kind of way and, and like you said delo's pretty reserved but it's he's the perfect kind of uh, I guess bridge between those two guys and and, and really loves to to uh, we'll move on after this I know we're just heaping praise on on Ant's personality how can you but not how I th- can you not yeah yeah I think he really loves to give credit to his teammates and, and deflect off himself and, and talk about his teammates that's when you see him light up when he gets to, like today I don't know if you saw the the video that the Timberwolves put out in their social media about him talking about Jordan McLaughlin, oh, and he didn't know it. how to he, he didn't know how to say uh, J Mac's last name. He had to ask someone as he was saying it. He's like McLaughlin. How do you say his last name? Right. Well, they <laughs> probably just call him J Mac, so he never even. Yeah, he's like, well, yeah, he's like, we just call him J Mac, and like that's the thing. Like, and the the response was to him asking someone asking, um, how does he like how much has he learned from playmakers like D'Lo. And Rubio, and he said, like, look, like, you forgot someone, like, you yeah. forgot J-Mac, he, you know, and that's the kind of thing that he does so often, he just, he, he's a leader, and it's so weird to say as a 19-year-old, but he seems like the, the leader of this team already. Yeah, yeah, and, and in a unique way, I mean, there's so many different types of leaders, but he's definitely, you know, one of those leaders, and he's got some really good yeah. qualities for that, and I, yeah, I can't just, I could gush about Anthony Edwards all day, I just... <laughs> He's great. He's great. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Well, what's your first, um, you know, quote have? Like, what do you think the Timbles have that, that, that has really impressed you throughout this season? Okay. So mine is their coach, Chris Finch. I think they have the coach that they will make a playoff run with at some point. Um, yeah. What we've seen from Chris Finch. And I, Chris Finch has had a better run of luck, injury luck, than Ryan Saunders did. He's had the full team. Regardless, what even when he didn't have a full team, we've seen more um, from what he's drawn up, what he's implemented, and he he really hasn't had time to implement that. You know, Saunders had last year to implement his stuff. This year, you know, the shortened training camp is still a training camp, so it's at least something. Um, so I think that part. Um, I mean, he's the way he uses his horns sets and and these double drag screens for Carl Anthony Towns and things that are just not done for a center and not done um, really in the NBA that much. I think that he's just a really smart basketball. You look at the Timberwolves over the last, you know, they're in the top half, close to top 10 for a long stretch of games now offensively, and that's just really impressive to me. Um, So I would say that's like my biggest, they have it. They have their coach. I didn't want to be, you know, they have Cat. Okay, they've had cat. Like that's not something yeah. new and ex- it's exciting, but it's like that's kind of old news. 
Chris yeah. Finch is kind well, of fin- new Finch, news. Finch is what they didn't have before in the, the season, right? Like that, yeah, like and that's, same with and same with you bringing up Ant. They didn't have this Ant at the beginning of the season that they have right now. So, how how much do you think those two things coincide? Like, how much do you think that Ant's rise coincides with Finch's hiring and Finch's, you know, Finch getting comfortable with the team and starting to implement his his you know version of what he wants his team to be? Um. You know, it's hard because I don't want to take anything away from Ant as a player because he, I think he's just becoming more confident, not more confident, but more comfortable, I guess, on the floor, understanding the game a little bit better, you know, because the game's so much different when you get to that level compared to the collegiate level. Um, But definitely the way he's been used is better. He's sitting in the corner way less than he did with Ryan Saunders. Um, And that was with, and that was with less talented players around him. You know, without Cat and Dilo out there, he was still sitting in the corner. Where now you have both of them, and he does very little sitting in the corner. So I think it, I don't know if I could split it a percentage wise, but they both definitely have played a pretty good uh, chunk into that. So I don't know. Um, I guess I'm thinking about Chris Finch, and I can't really think of any wing players that he's really coached before. You know that high profile wing yeah. players as an assistant when you think of I mean obviously he was in you know Rio Grande Valley when James Harden was in Houston I believe at least for the first couple of years um but he didn't really coach that way they don't have a wing like that in Toronto where he was just at New Orleans didn't have anybody that was still when AD was there and then Denver maybe he was there with a young Jamal Murray but yeah I don't know he's never really coached someone like that so I think he's having fun with it yeah, I think you. Yeah, I think you completely right. I think it's a testament to him that you know he came in as a guy renowned for being able to work with big guys, and obviously that's good thing for, for Minnesota because they they have Carl Anthony Towns. But to see him, uh, I guess, raise Anthony Edwards' ceiling uh, or help raise it, uh, it, it's it's encouraging because, like you said, we didn't have any evidence that he could do that, and I think he's done the same thing with D'Angelo Russell as well. Like I, I actually think. Of all the, I think of all the sets that they run, Ant might actually benefit the least out of those that you know quote unquote big three. Like, it's Ant has obviously. I think they put him in better positions, but I I don't think they run a lot of like really intricate sets or really um you know like uh, effective sets to get Ant the ball because they uh, to get Ant shots they get him the ball in better ways and that's important for him because I think he just needs the ball to be successful. He, he just needs to get the ball and, and, and be able to get downhill. Like, a you know, a, a simple, you know, ball screen can can help Ant more than, you know, a lot of guys that, that have the ball. But it's Cat and D-Lo where, they, where they, he seems to be running actual actions. You, you talked about that, that double drag exit play. Um, D-Lo, I, I just wrote this week about the, the early offense and they run so much early handoff offense for, for D-Lo. And he shoots... Uh, this is before the uh, the Denver game, but he he had a field goal, an effective field goal percentage of seventy percent in the first ten seconds of the shot. Clock. That's ridiculous. And I th- and I think it was forty seven percent in the you know the final fourteen fifteen seconds right. whatever. And and that's because Finch runs a lot of really nice action for D'Lo, man. Like I, I I completely agree with what you said, and and we had this conversation this unaired conversation about ryan saunders months ago that that never made the cut Sad. but that's a, that was a great conversation 
Wow. The audio, the audio messed uh, up. My so, fault, not Jake's but, fault. We'll put that out there. My fault, <laughs> not Jake's fault. But my the 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 issue I had through that whole podcast was that I hated Ryan Saunders' offense and yeah. the way it it minimized such dangerous threats. And Chris Finch has been the polar opposite. Maybe that's why I love him so much because it's just like the bar was so low for the offense and he's exceeded even my, my wildest expectations for a team that was, you know, dwelling in the bottom three offensively to be pretty much consistently, you know, top 10, top 15 offensive team. And I think with the potential to, to bump that up a few, few rungs, it's, it's awesome to see. And there's still issues. There's issues defensively. There's, you know, there's still been games where they've come out with absolutely no energy and no kind of fight, I, uh, you know, though, obviously the Brooklyn and Milwaukee games without Cat, I believe, both of those games, but there was a game, you know, the game against Houston, there's been a few games where, where you know, Finch hasn't been able to sprinkle his magic dust onto the team, but overall, like, I think the biggest compliment you can give Finch is that this team feels competitive every single night. Yeah. Like, I, I, two months ago, I would have went into that, the last game against Denver, expecting to be blown out. And they didn't necessarily ever really strike fear into Denver, I don't think. Maybe during Ant's third quarter when he brought him back. But But other than that, I mean, you know, yeah, I agree. It was a pretty pretty comfortable win for Denver, but they made them work still all game. They weren't ever able to just switch off for five minutes and cruise out the game. And that feels like, it feels hollow, but it is progress. And that is what this team needs. It's baby steps at the end of the day. And they've taken at least three or four baby steps to a team that's competitive night in and night out. Do you remember early in the season when the Wolves would have like a 10-point lead with two, three minutes left in the game? And you just almost knew it was going to end with them losing. Yeah. I don't feel like that anymore. No, I don't. No. I feel and, and I, if there's if they're up by ten with like two minutes, I feel very comfortable that game is theirs, and they they will maybe the team will get down to five, but they will close it out, and we've seen that numerous times, um, which is something we did not see against or when Ryan Saunders was coaching, which is another big testament, I think. Um, not some of it's the players you have on the court, obviously, but um, it can't all be that, you know. It's definitely on coaching as well. Yeah, and I think. Has it happened? Have they blown one lead? New Orleans, they blew that game. Um, but like, one, like that, these things do happen throughout the whole NBA. It's a problem when it happens every game. When you get, when every time you get a ten point lead in the fourth quarter, it, it disappears in in you know three minutes. And that's good teams, you know, good teams execute in the fourth quarter. And right. for how long were Minnesota the the best fourth quarter team in the league? You know going on net rating and it was a good solid you know 10 15 game stretch there um and you know good teams that like i said good teams execute in the fourth quarter and good coaches are able to get their team to execute in the fourth quarter and you mentioned his horns offense it's it's the go-to for him late in the game and it works and even with a scouting report of what 30 40 games now it still works so and, and currently yeah, Chris, i don't have the cleaning of glass numbers right now but i have just nba.com stats they're still second in offensive rating in fourth quarters behind oh, damian well, lillard yeah. and the portland trailblazers they're 0.1 um points per po- points per 100 possession possessions i can't talk um <laughs> worse so they have the 
fifth best net rating. They actually have a 111.7 defensive rating, which is still really good. Um, yeah. So they are still really good. And that's since the uh, that's since the All-Star break. Okay, so that's not all season long. That's since the All-Star break. But that's, but that's a big, 34 but that's a big games. sample That's size. half the year. Yeah. So yeah. that is impressive. That bodes well for, you know, the future. I wanted to go back a little bit to what you said about Anthony Edwards finding his own shot and that type of thing. I don't think Finch really needs to find those shots for him. It's not like Malik Beasley. Yeah. Beasley's a player whose shots need to be found for him because he can't create out the yeah. dribble. You have to just find Ant, you know, find him a way to get the ball in a space where he can just create his own shot. You know, right. and I think D'Lo has a little bit of that too. <clears throat> but I just want to say that like Ant is very capable of, you know, finding his own shot, really getting um, where he needs to go. So. I don't think, and I think that I think the important thing with Ant is you need to get other players in positions where they where he can either pass to them when when things get tough, or he can just have enough spacing right. to do that, that shot creating. Yeah, get him out of the way. Like it's it kind of seems simple enough, but but if you if you allow teams to to double off, you know Rubio or Wancho or Joshua Kogi, like life becomes insanely difficult for Ant. Like we saw that game against uh, Miami where they were trapping him pretty much at half court. Like, first of all, if that doesn't explain how good Anthony Edwards has become, yeah. that Miami, one of the best defensive teams in the league, has to trap him at half court to win a game against the lowly Timberwolves. Yeah. You know, but like the, he, he couldn't do anything with that. He's really good and he's gotten a lot better, but he can't handle you know, coverages that NBA stars have had to deal with for five years. Like, that's why you need... I think that's what Finch has done a good job of, is getting other guys... They still run actions, but they run actions away from the ball so that Ant can do his own thing on the ball. And and that's just good business, I think, from from Finch. It's just... It's the best way to, to give Ant the freedom he needs, but then also give him a secondary action when, when things break down for him. And... and that's super important in the NBA is just to have secondary actions that can be just as uh, brutal, you know, for the defense and just as uh, as potent uh, for the offense as as the initial actions are. And I think that that Finch is really good at that. He's just a really good offensive coach, man. Like I don't I don't think he has too many ticks next to him for de- on defense, and it's hard to with this roster. But he's got tick, 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 tick yeah, for me next to him for, for offensively. All right. So we both agree um, we got, we got uh, Ant the and, coach we got the, and coach. the future star. All right. So give me yeah. something we don't have and we'll see if we agree on that. They don't have depth. depth. They That's don't have one. enough depth. That's a good one. They don't have enough depth to compete. I just think that they're very top heavy uh, and their top heavy still hasn't proven to be. You know, Boston are top heavy. Yeah, I was <clears> just going to say that Boston's uh, top heavy, and now Jalen Brown's Boston, out. But, and right, and and all year, all year they've been struggling because they they've been ravaged by COVID, uh, mainly not really even injuries, but they just had the worst kind of. They've had a bad run with, with the yeah, yeah, and Kemba was hurt obviously to start the season, but like even though they're top heavy, but they're top heavy players. Like I think we can both agree that Jalen Brown's better than D'Angelo Russell and. and Anthony Edwards for most of the season, if not still. And I would say Jason Tatum is even better than than Cat. Than Towns, yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, and they're still seventh in the East. Yeah, like that's what a top heavy roster can like. That's what can happen to a top heavy roster if things don't break right throughout the entire season. 
I don't think any team, or maybe without Brown, but I don't think with Brown any team wanted to face Boston in the playoffs. Oh no! But but throughout a you know seventy two or eighty two game regular season, not having depth can kill you, man. And and I think that that the Wolves from say you know seven to eleven on their roster have a lot of guys that just don't play for good teams there's a like, lot of 11th simple... 12th men on on the on the timberwolves right yeah like jake jake layman could be your you know your sixth best player or your 15th best player on any night yeah. and so could a lot of these guys like it's just i don't know how i think that's the biggest concern concern for me because i don't know how they rectify that with no money and no kind of way to like you, you can you can start to chip away at it i think a little bit but to to overhaul it you're gonna need a some draft luck especially there's a lot of some bolt. there's a lot of players in the timberwolves team that are like one scale away from being like a really solid player and it's like jared vanderbilt like even a right. respectable jump shot Josh Akogi, or just a respectable. It's a usually a jump ball. shot. It's basically a jump shot for most of them. Yeah. Or like, yeah, I just there. There's those or Jalen Noel being like a good defender, and maybe he is. We don't. It's hard to tell with him, but there's just all these guys. And more like, consistent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More consistent. I think he's very streaky, and that's you know to be expected. He couldn't even get minutes last year, right? But and he hasn't got very many just... minutes right now, which is I think is kind of yeah. Weird. I don't think Finch is. I don't think Finch is definitely, you know, enamored with with Noel, and I, I I assume that it's probably because outside of you know you have to live with Cat, D'Lo, and Edwards giving you spotty defensive effort. Cat right. is almost at the point where he can get taken out of that that trio, but like you have to live with that. Plus Malik Beasley, like like Beasley, Edwards, Russell are going to be negative defenders on most nights. Yep. I think that the the thought process there is if those three negative defenders that have to get minutes have to get 30 minutes a night no matter what you have the guys who get 15 minutes have to be able to play defense yeah and and if they don't if they can't play really good defense then they're they're like they're not going to get enough touches to be to kind of show their best skill does that make sense so I just think that that's why he chooses Vanderbilt. That's why he chooses a Cody. That's why he chooses even McLaughlin, who's at least pesky. Yeah. Even though he's he's undersized, but he's pesky. I think that Noel. I think he tries really hard, Noel. He's not, and I, but I just don't think he. I think he gets overmatched. Yeah. As a two guard, because he's he, he's point guard size pretty much at, at the two. For sure, and I agree with you that I think the depth is something that they need to uh, definitely address going into this offseason. I don't feel comfortable with the depth um to be like a real playoff team you know not i'm not saying contender but like six seven seed you need a need a bit more depth if um if you really want to get there so yeah how how do you think they get that depth like i think that there's two for me there's two there's the draft which obviously they need to get very lucky in at this point there's leandro balmaro who i have uh, let me look. I have 11 Balmaro games that I have wrangled from around the the interwebs that I'm going to watch and I'm going to get extremely excited about because they need him to come over next year and be an impact player, at least a guy who, who gives you a shot in the arm. And I as am this to say, irrationally excited for him. 
<laughs> uh, this is the, t- it's the think... Timberwolves mentality. Yep. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they need Jarrett Culver. That's the one. Like that's They don't need it, but they, that's what they needed. They needed Jarrett Culver to be good because that's where they got that extra bit of depth. And unfortunately, you know, he played 34 games this year. He averaged five points and shot 41% from the field, 24% from three. And then went under the knife, obviously, at the end of the season for ankle surgery. But he went under the knife for ankle surgery because Chris Finch didn't want him in the rotation anymore. I think Chris right. Finch gave him, you know, pr- Chris Finch gave him prove it minutes for probably 10 games, like eight minutes in the first half to prove that you deserve to get a second run, a second stint in the second half. And I don't think Culver took it once in that, you know, in 10 games. And yeah. then, you know, Finch pretty much said, well, someone will take it if you won't. So. I don't know how they address it. If those all three things, you know, hit, if Tolva comes back a bit better and they, cause they clearly, from what they're saying, they want to give him another shot um, or if they trade him or if they trade Beasley maybe for for like a two, you know, a two for one deal, they get a couple of pieces back. I don't know. Is there anything you have in mind that's not, that I haven't kind of laid out that, that you think gets them more depth? The, yeah, no, it's, it's tough because you have to trade something to get something. Um, and the Wolves don't really right. have something. And if they do, you know, I think Beasley's the way to get a little bit of depth unless you want that to be a way to get a better player, you know? Um, yeah. I think you just hope you can get a couple free agents that, you know, might provide some valuable minutes. Um, or you hit on an undrafted free agent that works out well, like a Nas Reed type player. Um, I think it's be tough to get depth this year. With Rubio's money on the books, you're either going to be trading Rubio for something else that costs a lot of money or dumping his salary somewhere um, and paying something to, to get rid of him. And I just don't I just don't know how that depth comes. So I'm not really counting on the depth. I think it, it needs to happen, but I don't really think yeah. it. I don't see how it's super plausible for it to happen, I guess, is where I'm at. But you can bake in some some progression for guys like for Nas and I mean Jared Vanderbilt's only 22 years old and there's guys that that could just get better but um I don't think it's still going to be good enough so I don't know how they do it I, I I'm really interested to see how this offseason plays out and what types of trades are made and and how that all pans out but it all starts with the the draft lottery and seeing if you have that pick to work with yeah right that's that's the big moment so Give me, give me something you don't like on this team that, that you think they have not got. I don't think it's something I don't like. I think it's something they need to get going into this offseason is to get a coaching staff, get assistance, because the, the guys brought in were guys, Pablo Prigioni, David Vanderpool, were brought in by the previous regime. You're going to need to... Finch is going to ex- assemble his own staff now. Um, and I'd be very surprised if either of those guys are on it just because those aren't his guys. Does he have guys? I don't know. I'm sure everybody has guys, but... Um, I think Vanterpool was gone the minute that they didn't hire him as the as the coach, you know, the fill-in interim coach. Yeah, I think so too. And I think he also probably just has a good relationship with the players on the team. And he's like, okay, I can either sit at home until the season's over or I can ride with my guys and, you know, at least teach them something. Because he's probably like a stand-up dude that you know has built a relationship with these players so if he just dipped then the players are questioning you know did he really have our backs like all that stuff um so i don't know i'm glad he stayed this year because i think you know trying to find assistant coaches throughout the year probably would have hurt 
the the franchise a little bit too but i'm happy he's here so i feel pretty good about about that but but he's i don't think he's gonna be here this offseason i don't think pablo is maybe some of the other guys will be here like i think steams was on the the coaching staff and stuff some maybe it's guys like that but i don't think that um some of those guys will be here afterwards so you're gonna have to find some people and he's, he seems to be pretty highly sought after. You know, he had, what, he had four or five interviews in the summer. And obviously, he's got the backing of, of guys like Dame and CJ. And guys all around the league, you know, were really kind of perplexed that he didn't get the job. So I, I think that there's a job offer coming for him, you know, if it's not this summer, then down the line somewhere soon. Yeah, I think you'll find that, that Finch will probably start to pluck a few guys from the roles that he's been in before, you know, probably just guys he's worked with in Denver and or in Toronto or in Houston, like New Orleans. Like it seems like that that's what normally happens when a guy takes over as a head coach. They, they, yeah, assemble their troops a little bit and, and pull guys from different places, and and maybe those guys, you know, kind of get promoted in their job from from you know a coordinator to to an actual assistant coach or to a you know associate head coach or whatever Vanderpool is you know, Vanderpool's official title is. So, yeah, I, I think it's a really good point. Something that I've never kind of heard being brought up with Finch is that cause he just came in and, and credit to him, just kind of took everything in, in his stride and just almost just slipped right into Ryan Saunders' role and Ryan Saunders' you know, coaching staff and, and teammates, you know, his coaching teammates uh, and has handled it really well. But, but it's a good point you make that those guys are probably going to be gone this off season and we'll have a, a whole new bunch of bunch of staff coming in. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see. And that, like you said, credit to Finch for, you know, having success with guys that aren't him, maybe don't work in the same system as him, things like that. So yeah, yeah. but that's just one thing I think they have to get, but that's something that they don't have to worry about salary cap implications and things like that. So, yeah. Um, let's take a quick break uh, just for some ads and then, and then we'll come back and we'll, we'll do one more each. All right, we are back. Um, I want to go again with a, with, a, with a have not, more of a, a, I guess, a negative tone, and then we'll finish off on, on something a little bit more positive. Uh, what, <laughs> what's your second uh, have not for, for you know the Wolves? I don't think the Timberwolves have their backup point guard. I don't. As well as as much as Ricky Rubio has looked better, um, lately, I don't think they have their backup point guard. I think they want a pretty high level backup point guard that can run alongside D'Angelo Russell, so you can throw a lineup of D'Lo at the two because I do think he's pretty good in you know spot up situations and things like that. Um, so I think they I think they still need to get their backup point guard. Um, you hope that's a Cade Cunningham or a Jalen Suggs coming in. <laughs> realistically it's probably somebody um maybe it's not even somebody you get this offseason but um i think they need to get a backup point guard i think that ricky rubio will be gone this offseason one form or another especially if the pick comes then for financial reasons i think they really will dump him but um i think he's gonna be dumped somehow or put in a package with something um he's 30 what two years old whatever however old ricky rubio is he was in Minnesota. They sucked when he was here. Then he went and had great success in Utah for two years. Um, started to have some success in Phoenix last year. And then comes back to a, a bad Minnesota team. It's not really what he wanted. You know, he didn't choose to come back here. Though I'm sure he's not 
super mad about it. I don't think it's his preferred place. So I think he'd be okay with moving on as well. So we'll see what what uh what happens. But I think they do need to get a backup point guard. What are your thoughts on that? I um as much at the risk of kind of alienating all of the the people who love Ricky Rubio, and I understand why. I have been thoroughly unimpressed with Ricky Rubio this year. Uh, I know he came, you know, he looked pretty out of shape to start the season, which is an excuse, but I think it's a poor one. Like, it's a poor one for Wancho. Like, you know, like these are professional athletes. I know that he ha- he ha- did have COVID, and if that, you know, we don't know the, the inner workings of Ricky Rubio's mind, but if, but if, if it was COVID-related, he's kind of, uh, you know, being a little bit unfit, then obviously that gets a pass. But if it's just you know, the short off season and stuff like that, that he didn't really get himself back into game shape. I don't think that's really an excuse. I think that he came in, he was horrible to start the season. I think, as you said, he's gotten better, but better's not, hasn't been good. I think that he has, he has, he now has good games, which is an upgrade from the start of the season when he was bad every night. Yeah, I think he went like, I think he went like five or six from three the against the Bulls when I was in the building. And <laughs> yeah. I was just like, who needs Steph Curry? Ricky Rubio is here, but well, you you should have never you had you had to follow the team around for the rest of the season after that. Maybe he would have shot for yeah, I know three. I can't afford that. That's <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, uh, C- I, I agree. CC Timberwolves, CC the Timberwolves, you know, ticketing department, right? Um, <laughs> um but I just, he he's shooting thirty nine percent from the field, thirty one percent from three. He he's. He's always obviously been a good playmaker, and he still is a good playmaker. But like, it's there's been very few games where I've thought to myself like Ricky Rubio is controlling the game with his passing. He's still going to get seven assists. You know, it's hard not to get seven assists when you pass the ball to Cat all night, right? You know, and and, and right. Delo. Like, he he's he's very good at initiating sets, and and I think that's why Chris Finch really likes him. He can he can he knows how like I tried stumbling over my own words here but he he knows how sets work yeah and he knows the town he knows the counters to them he knows when to make those reads when when lanes and angles do get shut down he knows how to quickly snap his way into the counter action i think he's uh, a think very cerebral things. player that that really very. would benefit to having good players around him and and um you can see that in his numbers but a team that just needs like a steady point guard i think that's you know kind of the role for him um I think more importantly, this team needs guys next to Towns who can shoot at all times. Yeah. Like, he just, it's just, they they don't really kill Minnesota with doubles and, and whatnot off Rubio like they did at the start of the season, but he misses a lot of open threes. Like, it's, it's you know, it's as straightforward as that. And how many, especially in the last five or six games, Towns has thrown so many nice passes to Rubio that he's clanked the jumper. And you just think if that, if they had four shooters on the court, this would be so much easier to, to run this offense. And he he still makes turnovers in dumb, you know, dumb decisions at late in the game. Uh, I just think that, that as, as much as I've always loved Ricky Rubio, I think this has just been the worst season of his career. And it just doesn't seem like a good fit for him. He doesn't seem happy. The team doesn't seem to, to thrive around him or with him. And so, you know, like without I've gone I've rambled but but yeah like they, they need a new backup point guard they he can't be a starter for a full season I don't think and I think they need someone who can accept like a 15 to 18 minute role and, and thrive in that behind D'Lo 
Yeah. And and I want to say one thing. I think that he's done a really good job with Anthony Edwards kind of in, in the same way he worked well with, with Donovan Mitchell and with Devin Booker. So those things I think are important. Um, and yeah, you, can't get... discount, you can't discount how good he is off the court. Right, for sure. But coming into the year, I, I thought that the Timberwolves were going to have possibly the best, you know, top three backup point guard in the league. Because right. I just thought that Ricky Rubio would, you know, come in and really have an impact like that. And it just didn't happen. So, um, but yeah, that, w- that was my second have not as, as a backup point guard. Yeah, it's and it's tough because like like I've said throughout, we like we love as Timberwolves fans, we love Ricky because he he represents such a hopeful time when he first entered the league and and such a fun, you know, a guy and still obviously to this day just an awesome human being. From everything you read, everything you see, it's impossible not to like Ricky the human, and that's why I kind of feel dirty you know getting on here and uh, and ripping on him for his game but that's what we do like that's what we do right we need you need to kind of be objective um and it's just i don't know it it seems like it's just not a good fit for him and i he's gonna be tough to move on from in the summer i think just because it's hard to to find someone you know, that, that wants to take that con- that contract right now. I think at the trade deadline next season, he will absolutely be moved if it's not this summer. But he's the first. I think he if if we're in Jason Rosas's office right now and and we're a fly on the wall, I think Ricky Rubio is the name that that you'd yeah. he'd get mentioned the most when he's when he's talking to other GMs. And I think the the logical landing places for that is maybe not a team that's like in the midst of the rebuild. Maybe not like a team that's already started it for a year or two um you're probably looking at a team that's headed towards the rebuild and just blowing it up and yeah that might be or a, team, or a playoff team a playoff team that wants him at the trade deadline for three months right and, right, right you know but, can, can afford to just kind of take on salary go into the lottery tax and then get out of the lottery tax by the end of the season because of rubio yeah right. you're better with cap stuff than me though i'm yeah. kind of I'm, I'm not good with cap stuff um no that's that's possible it's just a lot of those contending teams don't have these albatross contracts on them to like kind of right, to right. send back but that's, pro- that's probably why they're contending yeah. teams and and dane moore <laughs> talks about indiana as a possible landing spot and i think that's a good one because they could potentially just be looking to to blow it up and and try and just build around sabonis and you know karis Levert or whatever and maybe miles turner is the odd man out and they say let's punt on a year we'll take on this bad contract in in rubio so that we can uh move ahead you know with a rebuild after the season um i don't know how long miles turner's contract is but if they're thinking i think another i think i would think another two years i think i think he has at least one year longer than rubio it might be two years longer than rubio um, I know it was originally like a four-year, $80 million deal. I just don't remember when it was. Uh, so he has two seasons after this one. So his contract is one year you know, longer than, than Rubio. So if the Timberwolves wanted to try and go and, and get a guy like that, um, Indiana would but have to be... How much do you think they'd have to give up, though? Would they? Like, would you have to add... You'd have to add a sweetener to that, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, for sure. And you when... would have to add add some sort of sweetener to that. And I don't know what that is. I don't... I'm bad with trade stuff. I'm... Yeah, I, and there's not many sweeteners on this roster, but um, that's true. There, there's some, but they're not. Think you wouldn't want to give up 
things like that. Right. They're um, either too much or they're not enough. Right. It's like it's either Jaden McDaniels or Nas Reed or Jared Culver or Josh Okogie. And there's no middle ground yeah. where you have like a, a, <laughs> a decent guy. Um, so, yeah, is I it, don't know. It's a Jalen Noel. But I don't know if the league values him that way. Right. 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 And exactly. That's what I don't. I don't know. I don't know who it is. Maybe it's <laughs> maybe you're okay with maybe you're okay with giving up Nasri to get Mouse. Maybe yeah. you are. I I don't think I am. Yeah. Maybe then you get something back. You know, maybe it's a two for two deal or something. But but I think that's that's kind of the situation you try and get um get that. So that's just my my two cents. I think they need to find their backup point guard and I don't know how to do that, but I think it needs to be done. <laughs> Yeah, well, we're not here to solve the problems. We're just here to present them. My 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 have not is uh, I guess kind of similar to the, to my depth one, but they don't have a front court partner for Towns. I don't think. I think Jay McDaniel's is a three. Boom. I've, I've been, Boom. I, <laughs> that I've, I've I been was going to put three on my list. I was going to put a third one on my list, and it was power four because I think yeah. Jaden McDaniel's is a three. I think that's Jane, be I think his it's most effective. It's obvious. Like you watch him the other night against who was it? It might have been Isaiah Stewart. Like there was a few Just times where he up. got bullied. Just like like and I mean five meters away. Yeah. Like and Jaden McDaniels fights above his weight class as good as any hundred and sixty pound dude I've ever seen. Right. I agree. But he's still you know, probably hundred and eighty pounds. But he's still hundred and eighty pounds. Like right. And that and eventually, you know, that overwhelms you. Like this is the dude who David was tossing to guard Zion, mm-hmm. and it was like a heavyweight versus a featherweight. Like, yeah, even for a guy who scraps and claws the way that Jaden does, it's just he. You can't expect him to guard fours or every game. And the NBA's kind of transitioning back to that too, too big, big kind of mm-hmm. yeah. And we saw it a and, lot with against Denver. There was a lot of Jokic, uh, Javale McGee minutes, and yeah. they kind of punished the. And Timberwolves. that's why. Yeah, and, and even Vanderbilt, you know, he's stronger and he's Vanderbilt's been really good defensively this season, but it's the same thing. He's just not big enough to guard dudes, you know, starting really good power forwards. Like yeah. he's, he can provide energy, but on a night-to-night basis, he's going to be outmatched far too many times for you to be a winning team, I think. It's interesting. And, and Jaden... It's interesting talking about Vanderbilt because Vanderbilt is a lot stronger, but he doesn't weigh much more. He does, he yeah. does, but not compared to other power forwards. Where right. he could move more people than Jaden could move, but people can still move him because he's not heavy himself. So, yeah, I agree. I think Jaden. I think. I think they kind of almost match up in terms of like the way they play big power forwards because Jaden is just like a ridiculous kind of like hand-eye coordination guy, yeah, uh, and just uses his length and his body as well as anyone that size, like. He plays like a guy who's 215, 220 because he, he gives himself that room. He takes that one step back. He allows himself to get bodied enough that, you know, he's not getting out of the way. But he's kind of like pulling the chair. Also... Yeah. Not fully that's, he, out, but back enough to he, where they he, slip up. He almost bit. plays like rope-a-dope defense, yeah. you know. Like, he, he allows you to come at him so that he can attend take the hit, absorb it, and then take the ball. Yeah. Or, you know, get back into you and contest the shot. So, but all that being said, that all of that works a lot better when you're guarding a three. And when you're guarding a, you know, he can guard your Luka Doncic, your Paul George, your Kawhi Leonard, like... Even down to your, your Kyrie. I mean, he really right. can guard one through four. 
I don't think four is the and best it's easy, position. And but... it's easier to it's easier to switch him and you know to to bump him down positions on the court as a point of attack defender if you have an actual four there next to him so that Anthony Edwards doesn't have to go and guard a four. Yeah. Or Malik Beasley doesn't have to guard a four. Like I agree. It's just it I think it all makes more sense for him to be the three and in that, you know, scenario then they, they, they need a four and Or a five. Uh yeah, or a five, like you said with Miles Turner. Like I think ideally the four, the four or the five is a, another big, and a, so that you can play two bigs. Finding that guy is a whole other kettle of fish because yeah. outside of Miles Turner, it's genuinely hard to even find one that's semi-available. Chris, Chris Boucher is not available, I don't think. Um, no, that he's played himself out of Minnesota's range. I yeah. think. Yeah, and and that's the thing is, um. With Miles Turner, I think Cat and, and Turner are both capable enough to move their feet and make that work on the perimeter. And I want to say, I don't think that Jaden never can play the power forward. I just think right, his, right, his best right. position is is the three. And then, you know, it's like it's like Ant. You'd rather have Ant at the two if you can have a three. But Ant can play the three. So that's just how I kind of I feel about that. But I, I do think they need to get that, that second big. My dream is to get Evan Mobley. Like, my dream is that the Wolves get the second pick so you don't even have the shot at Cade because you know people are going to be like, do you take Mobley? And I don't think you yeah. do. But if your your hand no, is you forced, can't. you take Mobley, then you got this this ultra big lineup of D'Lo, who's 6'5 at the point guard with long arms. Just, they go on forever. Then you got Ant, who is 6'4, so he's he's not huge, but he's huge. And then Jaden at the 3, 6'10, <laughs> you got Mobley and Cat, who are both seven-footers, I just think that would be actually a solid defensive lineup. Because, to be honest with you, I think that uh, D'Lo's defense has actually kind of impressed me for right. long yeah. stretches. I think it's been bad in long stretches, and, and but also impressive in long stretches, where usually it's like one or two impressive plays, and then it's back to bad. I've seen more. If he believes, if he believes in the team, I think he'll do his more. Energy, he, his effort level goes up considerably, and that's probably not a great trait to have because you'd rather a guy who just is Josh like Josh Okogie. You know, yeah, you'd yeah. Ra- yeah, you'd rather a guy whose energy level just never dips and will, you know, try his heart out on the worst team in the league. But that's the reality. I think is that when it, when Deedlo can see that this that his team is going places and that he needs to contribute on the defensive end and they will win games if he does. Than he does when he if he thinks if I play good defense we're still going to lose by twenty he's just not going to even going to try and play good defense right. like he's just going to give up kind of and and focus on just getting buckets but I agree I, I don't even want to start to imagine the Evan Mobley situation because I will get teary yeah at how at how like Evan Mobley's best. I don't want to say best, and I've dug into him a fair bit. I've probably watched uh, about seven or eight games. I was going to write an article about him throughout the season, but I thought I'll wait until the postseason. So I've got a lot of his games saved. But the thing that they need, I think, and just as much as they need, you know, perimeter defenders, is they need a cleanup guy. Like, they need a, a janitor up at the back. And, yeah. and Kat's not that. Kat's a guy who gets exposed when the guys in front of him get exposed. Yeah. Like, when when people help Towns out, like, when point-of-attack defenders help Towns out, he can be a really good defender. And we've, shown, we've seen that this year when, when he... You know, is 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 guarding a pick and roll with Jaden McDaniels or with Josh Okogie. He he looks a lot better. Evan Mobley, I think, is a guy who who can clean up mistakes. 
He can block shots at the rim. He can switch onto guards. He can switch onto wings, you know, in a pinch, uh, and and shut dudes down with his length and really just just put out fires. Yeah, and that's what this team needs. So there's not there's not a player they can. I think the chance to get Evan Mobley is probably the most realistic chance to get the ideal big guy next to Towns because I think that's more risk, realistic that they get the second pick than that they get Miles Turner. Yeah, like I think so too because you're thinking you have you know, a 10% chance at that second pick. I don't think you really have a 10% chance of getting good value to get Miles Turner. I mean, you could overpay. And if Miles Turner is available, yeah, if if Miles Turner is available, the Minnesota Timberwolves aren't the only team that knows that. Like, and there's plenty of other teams that could use that kind of player and that have better assets to acquire it. So Mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. uh, Um, All right, let's, Let's let's jump into the good the good things before we wrap this up. Give me your one, uh, and then I'll, I'll I'll shoot you mine. So we just kind of talked about him, but I said they have their go to defender. They got Jaden McDaniel's. I think that guy has some serious defensive player of the year, All NBA first team defense, you know, tools. Just like I think, if he was on a playoff team right now, he might be getting some votes for a defensive team. I think he's been that impressive. And he'd be getting, and he would be all over the national media as this, you know, transcendent defensive rookie. Yeah. Like, people don't understand how good Jay McDaniels is defensively. Yeah. The guys that do understand are like, you know, the Kevin O'Connors and, and those guys that, you know, look for that type of stuff. But when you're talking about somebody's yeah. going to bring it up on a sports center, it's just not going to happen. And people aren't going like, to, yeah. you know, the casual fans not going to see that. But the way he can guard ones twos threes fours not really fives but he can switch onto a five to block a shot or something um and you're talking about putting like Luka Doncic in jail um you know playing well in Harden uh even playing pretty good against Zion for being 100 pounds less than Zion is or 80 pounds (laughs) less or whatever it's just really impressive felt felt like about 300 pounds less and and the, the guy is literally 20 years old you know like Younger than me. I'm, I'm still getting used to people being younger than me in the league, but he's like two years younger than I am, and he's out there guarding the best players in the league and like giving them trouble. And uh, Yeah, you have to get used to that because there's probably two or three Timberwolves that are younger than me, uh, that are older than me. Yeah, there's not like, many. I'm older, than mo- I'm older than most of the team, so that's a uh, depressing. I'm thing. older than a good chunk of the team. <laughs> I am... And I'm only 22. Like, the Timberwolves are so young, and that's what's crazy. Like, you look at the roster, and I'm older than Ant. I'm older than... I think Vanderbilt is, like, six days older than me. But then, like, Nas Reed, I'm older than him. There's just so many players that are... that are. I mean, Jalen Noel's younger than me. I just... I can't believe it, but it is what it is. Yeah, but but the point stands that, you know, like, this dude's 20 years old. Yeah. And when you look down at those ages that we just did through the roster, it's it's not surprising that this team's won 22 games. Yeah. Like, it, it's, if you if you took context out of it completely and said, hey, this bunch of 22-year-olds or average age of, what, 23, 24? Yeah. Is, like, how many games do you think this team could win in the, in the cutthroat NBA? You'd say 25, max. Yeah. Like, Young, young, fully healthy too. You know, like they had, yeah, exactly. uh, You know, a full bill of health. So, yeah, I think, I think they just have their, their go-to defender. Um, and 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 I do think it has been nice. Jaden McDaniel's been going in like 
the lottery top tens of pretty much every redraft I've seen. So he's getting that attention from those types of people, which is good. Um, but I think the I think the Wolves knocked it out of the park. Even if Leandro Balmero is the next coming of, you know, Jarrett Culver or whatever, I think that's still a knockout of the park um, draft with the two players you got. I think they just yeah. killed it. I think he's a perfect... Like, how often, and even I think through this podcast we've mentioned it, like, how much did we want Josh Cody to be able to shoot a jumper? And that's kind of like what Jaden McDaniels is. But like, he's bigger. He, he's yeah, he's, he's 6'10". Hu- he's huge. Yeah. And and he's a better off-ball defender than Josh as well. Josh so. is an elite on-ball defender. And he's not a bad team defender by any means, but he he, he never really stands out yeah. as, a, as a team defender. And that's probably because at six foot four. It's hard to be a rotation guy that doesn't mm-hmm. just do, you know, the right things. But McDaniel's does the right things, then he does the extraterrestrial things where he comes from five feet away and blocks Rudy Gobert at the rim. Yeah, like you know what I mean. And then you put him on on Donovan Mitchell on the next play, like that game against Utah. I know Donovan Mitchell didn't play, but he seriously guarded. Uh, he would have spent. 20% of his game time on each position. Yeah. Like, that was that was the most bizarre defensive performance I've ever seen. Bizarre in a good way. Like it he, worked. He, yeah, he defended every position in that game for, like, multiple, multiple positions and not in cross-match situations. Like, he was lining up on Conley. Next play, he was lining up on Jordan Clarkson. He spent two or three possessions on Gobert at the end of a close game and stuffed him both times. Yeah. Like... I don't. Uh, if Kyle Tardy was on here now, he'd be, you know, just about passing out at the at the Jaden McDaniels talk. But like, it's it's weird because this team is bad, and we've it's so easy to get excited about this team because these pieces that have developed through the year make them so exciting. I, I I'm really interested to see what this team does when these player players are who they are yeah. or who they are now. Yeah, and at I the think start of the season that's crazy to think back to the beginning of the year. I mean, nobody really thought Jaden was going to be like anything, you know, this season. I did not think he would play one NBA game. I just, I went back and listened to, I did a draft reactions pod with Logan Alton. And we actually talked about the possibility of him being your backup power forward at some point. So I'll give ourselves a little credit. But then (laughs) after, that was initial reactions. After that, I really got on on board with he's just going to be in the G League. Um, And I'm so glad that never happened. But. He was a guy where it's like, okay, he looks like he's got the defensive tools. We don't know what to make of him because he's at Washington, but he's really small. So he's probably not going to be good at least for a few years defensively. And we don't know how consistent the the three-point shot's going to be. Now, he's a guy who's shooting 36% from three, which isn't great. But I mean, that's that's a guy who's spaced the floor and you got to pay attention to him. And then that's on three attempts too, so decent volume. And he's literally, you know, a top 10% defender already. That's just crazy to me and he has offensive potential that's not even close to being unlocked that's what i was about to say is his foundation was you know levels and levels and levels below what ant started at right but they've had the same kind of you know linear progression throughout the year like like mcdaniel started as a guy who could only or who was tasked with only being a rotation defender he would block shots and that was it. He would, you know, come off his man in the corner and block shots and they were fun and we were excited about it. But that was, you know, like what his defensive role was. And then he would shoot spot up threes and that's all. 
And it's not to the point with Ant where he's, you know, now averaging 25 points a game, obviously. But now he's taking one or two dribble jumpers off the drive. He's just attacking closeouts and getting to the rim more. Mm-hmm. And he's guarding and he's guarding on the ball as well as being that, that you know, rotation defender. Like, he, he as well has had little parts of his game just added and added and added throughout the season. And in his own kind of, you know micro role player way has has taken huge leaps throughout the season as well yeah and i that's what makes me really excited for a full off season a full training camp and everything for him on top of ant because i mean you're talking yeah he's just been really impactful and and the numbers don't show it and that's the thing too i uh, um the advanced stats defensively don't really love him and some and some some do some don't and defensive stats are so weird but you just have to watch him play you just watch the kid play yeah. and, you, and you'd see it. Um, and that's just yeah. something that I think is just really, really um, beneficial for the Wolves to have somebody like that. You know, a guy that you can throw on yeah. whoever you need to down the stretch. Well, that's what they need. They need more guys like that. Like, But it's it's important to have at least one guy who doesn't, who can give you, you know, close to elite defense while also not being a complete negative offensively because that's what the problem is with a Kogi is that most of the time he, he really hurts you on the offensive end so you can't squeeze as much you know of that defensive juice out of him but yeah. looks like McDaniel looks like McDaniels is going to be that guy that you can you probably need to find one or two more hint hint Leandro Balmaro um but but for now you know they, they'd be pretty damn happy with with Jaden McDaniels right uh let's jump into my last one and then we'll wrap this up we've, we've we've pumped out a while here so my last one, again, is maybe a little bit more, you know, uh, peculiar. But what they have is a backup center. I said before they don't have depth. But what they do have is a backup center. And I will openly, you know, U-turn on Nas Reed because I really didn't like Nas Reed last season. I thought he was just one of those guys that come through a tanking team, you know, and get minutes and play okay, but, but event, you know, inevitably end up out of the league and, and right. not able to, to you know, play on a team that's actually trying to win. Like last season, Minnesota were trying actively to lose, and that's why Nas Reed was starting. Right. But I will happily admit that Nas Reed is not only a legitimate backup center, he's a legitimately good backup center. He, talk about progression. We've talked about progression a ton throughout this podcast. No one, maybe only Ant, but even then, like no one has t- transformed their game the way that Nas Reed has, and their season. body like, from last. Yeah, man, like he—that's part of it he, too, though. Well, when you look at it last year, and you you're kind of warranted when you think about the guy who is, you know, how big he was, how unathletic he was. You know, he's shooting eight threes a game, hitting you know two of them. Like, there's no way you would have thought, oh, this guy is gonna drop. 30 pounds he's going to be able to jump and do these crazy dunks and yeah i just that's not something i saw i liked nas reed last year so i probably liked him more than you did we never really talked about him last year you and i but um i liked him i didn't think he'd be this good but i thought some point he'd be decent um but he has looked he's been very impressive and that's the one spot they do have locked up like their backup what do you think of him being like a four, you know, like what have you thought of that so far? I, I do. I, I I have never watched the town's Nas minutes and thought like this is hurtful to the team. But I've also never watched them and thought like 
they're thriving with Nas as the four, you know, or maybe with Cat at the four. I don't, I don't really, you know, it depends. I think they kind of cross match there on, on whatever's going on on the court. But I think it's, I think it can work. I don't think it's the solution, if that makes sense. I think that he's shown, they've both shown that they can, him and Towns, that they can play together. But I don't, I think if you're looking for, you know, as we said before, a front court partner for Towns, I don't think it's Nas Reed. I think Nas Reed is a backup center, and I think he's best value. I think even this season, we saw that when he when in the games he did start, he he was just a little overmatched, you know, against starting centers. I think his value is that he can come in and beat up on backup centers. His footwork is his footwork. I did not know he had this in his bag. Like last season, he shot threes, or he shot off-balance, terrible hook shots occasionally. Like, this dude's pulling out dream shakes, up-and-unders. I feel like he never misses a shot around the rim. Like, his touch is unbelievable around the rim. He's ridiculous. He, shoots, good, we- yeah. he yeah. shoots weird, contested hook shots that are bad shots, and they go in off the glass so often. And then, like, like you said, with the athletic uh, progression that he's had, like, he's taking dudes off the dribble from three. When he's hitting his three-point shot, he's ridiculously hard to guard. Like, he's so agile. He can put the ball on the floor. He holds it like it's a Baseball. Orange. Yeah, like, he, yeah. that's what's crazy is I don't think you could strip the ball out of one hand from him. It's just, I don't know how no, big his like, hands are, but, like, I don't, I don't know. He is ridiculous. Uh, he would have the biggest hands on the team. He must. Because he, or the, the strongest hands tiny. or something. Yeah, but he, and he can pass as well. He he gets he gets real tunnel vision. He loves to shoot. Like when if Ant, if Nas Reed takes a dribble, everyone else may as well sit on the bench until the next possession, until the defensive possession. If he takes one dribble, yeah, he's shooting. The yeah, ball. he's kind. Of, yeah, I mean he can pass, but, but it's, he he won't he pass, pass after he, has, he dribbles. If he dribbles, yeah, like he's he can going pass. And, and and we've seen him make really good short roll reads before, but he's just. I think almost sometimes it's it's probably encouraged by the the coaching staff is that he's the only guy in that like with, when Delo's not on the bench coming off the bench like Nasri's pretty much the only guy who can get you a bucket on his own yeah. like that which is a problem for the team but like Nas is awesome man and he's cool as like yeah he's just a cool dude he's like he's a fun player to watch and I am happy to give him his flowers and to take back anything I ever said bad about Nas because. He's exceeded my expectations dramatically, and 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 as we said before, like how old's Nas? Twenty one, twenty, like yeah, I think he's twenty, twenty one or twenty. He's almost twenty two, I think. Um, I could be wrong yeah. though. So he he's not, you know, like he's yeah, his if he's grown this much, he won't be twenty two until until August. So he's young. Um, yeah, and like you said, he's still got more growth in him. Like you said with with him missing around, there, he's shooting seventy percent within three feet of the basket. That's better than Towns is doing this year. Towns says, okay, so Nas is shooting 70.1%. That's like Towns' worst season, which was his rookie year, except for this year. But like 70% is ridiculously good within three feet. Um, the the bad thing about Nas is how often he you know falls over on some of those shots. But usually they're makes, so that kind of diminishes it a little bit, the defensive ramifications from it. But I love Nas. I, I just really... He's kind of like a miniature cat in a way. He's got a lot of, not necessarily nearly as good at pretty much anything. The only thing he's got as good as cat is, is, you know, around the basket. 
and I would say he yeah on on drives when he's when he's driving he's just got really nice touch yeah. on layups and he's got he's he gets less defensive attention so he's not getting double teams and stuff like Cat is but he's like a Cat esque player where you don't have to change your system too much with 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 playing him in there which I think is important you know you're not rolling out you got a guy that can shoot finish around the basket pass a little bit um, drive a little bit. The system doesn't have to completely shift when the second unit comes in, which allows for a lot more lineup blending when you're talking about, okay, now D'Angelo Russell plays with the starters and then he plays 10 minutes with the bench. But instead of running this system with the starters, now he's running a separate system with the bench because the pieces don't work. I think you just got to find miniature pieces of of the player. So you get Cat Nas, you could have Beasley off the bench. I mean, he could space the floor, so it's not like Edwards, but it has that scoring potential. You find a point guard who can shoot and distribute the ball. Find another, you know, maybe maybe Jared Vanderbilt can be your knockoff Evan Mobley. I mean, doesn't have a jump shot, but yeah. that defensive type of thing where you don't really have to completely change what you're doing with the second unit. So we do have the backup center. I would agree with that. But yeah. but to your point, I don't think we have the the big man pairing for cat i don't think that's no, what Nas no. is. I, I i think once you start to play him too many minutes that he's his flaws get exposed yep. too much and that's that he's not a good rebounder yeah and he's still uh you know mediocre defender i think he's gotten better with his athletic improvements but he's still not a guy who's you know like at no point do you ever think Nas Reed is kind of dominating the game defensively like he can block shots he did look he's getting stronger he did actually look pretty good against Jokic last night except for Jokic just makes everything so like Nas had his hands yeah. right there but Jokic just shoots over it but I he was in really good spots last night defensively but he is definitely and up I don't and think down he's with as, it yeah and I don't think he's as strong as maybe he's looks you know, he's a big dude but I don't think he's as strong as that like yeah. I think against a dude like Jokic so Jokic is a bad example because Jokic moves everyone mm-hmm. or just hits like that samba shuffle yeah. jumper, you know, thing that yeah, he does, which right. is just ri- ridiculous. But like, I think that when, when Nas starts to face starters, all those things get exposed. You play him 18 minutes a game, you know, 16 minutes a game. Right. You give him, or you play him 20, you give him 16 behind Cat, you give him four next to Cat. Yeah. That's, you know, he's a really good player and really impactful. And, and you watch other teams commentary, Throughout the game of the season, which I like to do when I watch the re- when I replay games, because you know we hear Dave and Jim all the time, we love them. But the I think you you, you kind of find out what other teams think, think of, people, of right? your players when yeah, and Nas Reed gets love from every every uh, you know opposing commentary team, man. Like they everyone loves Nas Reed because they no one knew who he was, you know, until maybe the first time they played him this year. Like yeah. even last year, they didn't know who he was, and he comes in and gives them seventeen off the bench. He's hitting threes. He's dunking on dudes. Like he's just a whole lot, a lot, a whole lot of fun. And in a season that has not been a whole lot of fun, I think that's really stood out to me. And he's on a good contract, which cannot go under the radar. A great contract. Yep. That's the other thing is he's on this Gupta special where he's only making you know for the next two seasons less than four million dollars combined. Not for this year. Right. Next year is one point eight. The next year is one point nine. That for a quality backup center is just perfect. You're not that he's playing like a guy that's at least worth the, probably the mid level right now. And he, yeah. Oh yeah. There's, there's guys who got the mid level who are worse than Nas Reed. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's what I'm saying is you got a guy in a good contract for years. So you, 
your center rotation pretty much is shored up for um, the foreseeable future as long as you have both those guys. And then you get your next big parity cat, maybe cat C4, whatever. But you have those two. Um, and I think that's just really something that's good. I, to bet, Na- I-, I bet Nas Reid hates his agent right now. Yeah. But, like, Nas Reid but I think he probably... wanted to come to Minnesota. I think he wanted to yeah, learn from Cat. I, I, I think that's something that... Well, they gave him the... They gave a lot of teams he would never even had the opportunity to be the Nas Reid that we see today. But he probably would have liked this deal to not have team options for the next for sure. two seasons after this. For sure. But he's definitely but, played you know, into, like... a, into a contract where... Or into a situation where he's... They're going to accept those team options. I mean, unless something happens yeah, injury-wise. And, but... and then after that... and Yeah, and then unless... Yeah, he gets injured in... When his contract does run out, he's going to get paid. Yeah. But he's looked really good and you know i always think it's usually you want to have your worst bench player play behind your best bench player and right now we have our best bench player playing behind our best player (laughs) um but i'm not going to complain about having talent on the team um yeah but that is the only bad thing about Nas is that he doesn't play in a position of need really yeah like you should have a much worse backup center behind cat and get away with it but I, what if Nas Reed was a small forward he'd probably be a lot more valuable to this team but I, but but your point was true where Nas Reed playing 24 plus minutes a game diminishes some of the value because of you know some of his shortcomings and stuff so maybe it is good that he's just a backup center and that's probably what he'll be for a while in the league so but I would agree with you. I I think we all we both agreed on both of our haves and our have nots. I think those yeah for sure made sense. Um yeah well you know let's wrap it up then. Um you can find Brendan over at uh, Wolf Among Wolves. Uh tell me a little bit before we go about believe in Timberwolves. I know that you've changed names. Like it was there it was there is there a story behind that? Like or is it just you know like explain to people who I guess maybe haven't listened or or have wondered the story that when they are listening. Yeah, so Believe in Timberwolves, spelled B-L-E-A-V, but it's pronounced Believe. Um, so it's a podcast that I was approached and asked if I would be interested in hosting it. There's a Believe podcast network, so it's a whole network of podcasts, and they're working on getting a podcast for, you know, every NBA team. Um, some of the podcasts on the network, like the Hornet, Believe in Hornets, Muggsy Bogues is the co-host on that one. Uh, Larry Hughes is the co-host on the Wizards one. And they really try to focus on finding athletes to... Um, podcast with podcasters so it's not something that they guarantee every time but they're they work for it or work on it for people so that's kind of cool uh, potentially seeing that in the future but I think it's just a really good way um to just kind of branch myself out there um the name it's recognizable people see it they understand what it is I've had fun doing it I've done I think three or four episodes so far so far and the support's been good and we just keep growing so that that part's been really cool so i'm excited to really get more into that this summer when i have a little bit more time and then really hit next season very strong and and uh kind of you know see how big that can get so i'm excited about that but yeah it's uh it's been in the same feed as the other one so if you've been subscribed to what used to be the wolf among wolves podcast it's now believe in timberwolves you it pops up in the same feed and everything so that part was nice. Yeah, yeah I was I um I was listening to it this morning while I was making myself breakfast. So it, it's a very good podcast, like it's always been with you. And, and if you've got through this hour and a half almost of of talking, you know that Brendan can can definitely talk wolves. And if you still 
are craving a fix after this hour and a half. Yeah. You know, go and listen. Go and listen to the the latest Believe in Timberwolves. And um, yeah, thanks for coming on, man. It's it was a really good chat. I really had a lot of fun today. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, Jake, I got to get you on Believe in Timberwolves soon. Um, maybe talk some draft stuff this summer because I know you love to to dig into that. So yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate yeah. it. We'll do it again. You'll come on with me, and we'll have a blast. Yeah, for sure. Um, everyone else, thanks for listening, and um, I'll see you guys next week.